another episode of Thick and Thin Hoops, where ball is always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my co-host, Nathan. What's good, Nathan? What up, baby? We are 48 hours from maybe the greatest weekend of the year, and that is the beginning of round one. Eight games between Saturday and Sunday. We know six of those matchups at as of the time of this recording, which is Thursday night. We'll find out the last two tomorrow, but dude, I'm so fired up. I mean... We, I feel like we go through this a lot every year where we start you know, looking at the matchups. You're like, man, that's going to be a great one. That's going to be a great one. I mean, some of the teams that are going to play each other in round one, it's pretty it's pretty damn epic when you just think about the star power from you know the lower seeds or kind of like who's going to go home as a round one loss. You know, it's it's going to be absolutely wild. Yeah, it's it's a great first round. The best first round I can remember um, in terms of just some of the matchups and uh, like you said, the stars, like you're getting stars even in some of the lower seeds, whether it's Durant or Jokic and um, playing against some heavy hitters, right? So I, I think it's going to be awesome, man. I love, like, I always forget how much I love the NBA playoffs, right? There's that time during the middle of the season when you get caught up with football and you're in the doldrums of the NBA season. But when you come back to April and you get to that first weekend, there's nothing like it. I love it. Yeah, it's unbelievable, dude. I would say that the, uh, you know, it's a good point. Like, Jokic is probably going to, what, win the MVP again this year. Like, we we both probably think that's going to happen. We both picked him. I would be curious when the last time two two-time MVPs faced off in round one between him and Steph, right? And I don't know when, like, I'd have to kind of go back and think about what when those were. But if you think about even the greats, like Kevin Durant has won, uh, Kobe Bryant had only one. Like Kevin Garnett only had one. Dirk only had one. So the fact that you have two two-time MVPs going up against each other in round one, that's like just probably pretty rarefied error, I would think. Especially when both players are still relatively in their prime, right? Like I know Steph is probably on the downside of his prime, but still at the peak of their capabilities, which... Yeah, like this probably hasn't happened since LeBron and Gilbert Arenas went at it three straight times. Of course. Oh, does not include Drew League MVPs, or does it? I don't know. <laughs> what was our calculation? Um, all right, but before we look ahead to this weekend, we have to talk through uh, the playing games thus far. Like I mentioned, we have two more games tomorrow night, which is Hawks versus Cavs for the eight seed out east, and uh, the Pelicans versus the Clippers for the eight seed in the west. So, you know. The early, the first thing I thought of um, as as those games played out on Tuesday and Wednesday was Brooklyn. Brooklyn did what they had to do to get out of it, but they still didn't do it as convincingly as you'd want them to. Mm-hmm. Um, again, they can't seem to put together sort of forty eight minutes of like effort, um, and that needs to quickly change before their round one series. But hey, give them credit; they got out. Durant, Kyrie, they were crazy. They started off the game like 11 of 11 combined and just shows you their potency. So let's start with that game. Um, What did you take away from Brooklyn Um, and maybe for the Cavs, just, you know, without Jared Allen, but they are going to get him back tomorrow night. I think you said it well, right? Brooklyn, when you watch them offensively, it was a masterclass. It was not just Kyrie's shooting, KD's shooting. It was Bruce Brown just kind of with the penetration and lobs. Claxton played well. They didn't get much from uh, Seth Curry, right? But given he was injured, totally understandable. But I don't like you had a masterclass offensive performance. 
you had Kyrie playing at the best of his capabilities and you still squeak out that win against a Cavs team that look, it's not only off on the offensive side, they were struggling to defend. Um, obviously we know Jared Allen not being there makes a huge difference in, in the way they're able to guard the perimeter. Mobley's great, but you have Laurie Markinen having to step up, um, getting taken to the rim. You know, Kevin Love, they got good offensive play out of him, but every time he's on the floor, he's a defensive liability. And they somehow, the Cavs still stuck in it. Like, I know they were never really a threat towards the end. They're always kind of hanging in. Yeah. But, like, the fact that Brooklyn won this game by seven points, it kind of leaves you wanting more. And you're worried, right, when you're going up into Boston now, which is a team that's not going to give up easy buckets. You're going to have to fight for every point. And you're going to go up against a, a guy like Jason Tatum who can go bucket to bucket or toe-to-toe with Durant. So I agree. I, it wasn't that impressive. But at the same time, you have to be happy. If you're Brooklyn, you're happy with the way the team played and the fact that you won. And how the season has ended, right? Like, I think that's – Yeah. They were 10 a week ago or a week and a half ago. And so they kind of convincingly got to seven. So um, one question I had to ask you, the last several teams that have played Brooklyn – even with Kyrie on the floor, so after he came back to become a full-time player, they are going a hard double blitzing KD on every pick and roll. Hard double, no matter what, basically making him a passer, right? And he is ripping up these defenses, yep. right, to the tune of 8, 10, 12. I think he had 15 assists or 16 assists yep. in one of these games. What do you think about that strategy? Because on one hand, I totally get not wanting to kill you. But on the other hand, he is not KD of 2011. Like, this is a dude who is an all-world, kind of all-around player who won't make mistakes in that situation. And oh, by the way, he's seven feet, so he can see over whatever kind of double team you're bringing. So what do you think about the strategy? Like, do you think this is something that teams are going to consistently stick with and just say, hey, you're not getting 45 on us? Or do you think after a certain number of possessions of watching Bruce Brown play four on three, they're going to say, all right, this isn't working anymore. I I actually think they're going to continue to blitz. Actually, I'm not sure how Boston might play it, but look, last year, for example, when Milwaukee guarded Brooklyn, um, they played them straight up with P.J. Tucker. And they let Ke- they kind of went with the mindset of, we're going to take everything else away. We'll let you go one-on-one. And you know Kevin Durant got his. But P.J. Tucker made it difficult. I think when you're a team like Cleveland – you you can't play straight up because you have no real even sense of anything. Right? I don't know if you could play Mobley on him a couple of possessions, but that's not a strategy you can employ for the rest of the game. So I think a lot of teams don't have any other choice but to send the blitz and live with Bruce Brown. Right? It's the same thing as um, Draymond. You know, a lot of people have been talking about how he's kind of operating like Draymond, like with the from the top yep. of the key dr- yep. dribbles in and then kind of throws it up or finds a pass. You live with that. I think you're going to have to live with that and not give up easy buckets to Durant because the problem is Durant and Kyrie can operate like that. So at the very least, make it difficult on Durant and and live with the results. But I think teams that have a guy who can D him up, that's not a bad strategy to go one-on-one with him and, and make everyone else beat you. Dude, so the Draymond point is exactly what I was thinking about when watching Bruce Brown. So two things came to mind. One, like you said, you would much rather have Bruce Brown operating in that sort of four-on-three role because, A, he's not Draymond and he sure as hell not Durant. But then the other thing I was thinking is, like, that's going to be Ben Simmons eventually, who is an elite passer and who is going to always make the right play. 
whether it's to the role man in the Claxton or through a corner shooter in Mills or Dragic or whoever. And so I was like, damn, that's going to be hard to do. Even if, you know, you can't double uh, KD originally because, you know, Harden and Kyrie are there. In a way, even though Simmons is not a threat shooting, he is a threat in that sort of like mid post area. So I'm very interested to see. And again, I don't know that, I don't know what you think about Simmons coming back in round one. That seems crazy to me. But nonetheless, like, eventually long term that's going to be very hard to stop if you do want to double durant i 100 percent agree the problem is i don't know if we're going to see that this series or the next series because even if simmons comes back people aren't talking enough about this guy hasn't played in forever he's coming off of what's supposedly a serious injury and we're expecting him to just come in and, and start kind of whipping the ball around and playing you know a plus defense it, it's going to, you know, and this is a guy not known for his work ethic outside the court. So it's not like he's been just grinding and playing like <laughs> five on five, right? Like, he's think, not... Needless to say, he's not been doing that, except yeah. he, did be, he has been grinding with his stylus. Like that's about the only thing he's been doing. <laughs> yeah. He rolled out so, with a green lamb suit. What the fuck is a lamb suit? Dude, I don't even it seems know. more Let's cruel see. than regular leather, right? It seems like <laughs> it does. would be like 20% angrier about that. 100%. Um, but yeah, it's a good point though. I think Simmons, you can see him in an off in that offense, the role he can play, what it can unlock. I just don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. No, I mean, if he, if he plays, which it's sounding like he is going to give it a shot. Yeah. Towards the end of round one. Is what he, they say, I right? mean, and he cannot play on the road. His first game cannot be on the road. It has to be at home, right? <laughs> in so Boston, out of all places. Right. So you're looking at three, four, or six. Those are the three they're going to have at home. They've been sort of targeting game four, which I guess would be, you know, their game one is Sunday. So their game four maybe would be what, like the following Sunday? Yeah. Um. So basically another 10 days to get ready. It's possible, but I don't know, man. Anyway, you would have to have a lot of faith in what he's looked like in very, very limited practice time. Yeah. But nonetheless... Brooklyn took care of business. I, Cleveland's been one of those teams that had an amazing start. They had two all-stars. I know Allen's been hurt, but they've kind of fallen off a cliff a little bit in the last like month or so. Um, and that can tie us to the next uh, East game, which is I fully expect Atlanta to kind of handle them. Um, I know Jared Allen's coming back, so I'm very curious what that defense looks like because their defense, like to your point of Kevin Love and Laurie Markin in the back line has been a total mess. But I don't know what they're going to do because that Trey – Trey is playing on another planet mm-hmm. right now, which is offensively. It's got the ball in the yo-yo. It's, it's like all his shooters are working. Capella is looking like last year's Capella again. Suddenly this Hawks team, finally, we've been yeah. waiting for it all year. They're finally starting to look like the team that made the conference finals. And then the Hawks are deep. And, you know, I really liked DeAndre Hunter uh, last game. In the second half, he was aggressive, you know, cutting hard, shooting, making shots. And, if you're getting that from DeAndre Hunter, you're getting Danilo Gallinari. Like, you know, that's a guy who's always on and off with his health. He's playing. He's contributing. Bogdanovich has been steady for the last several months. He's been a solid kind of sixth man. Yep. You're getting all those contributions. You can survive a night like last night where Trey um, struggled shooting the ball a bit, you know, had some bad turnovers. He wasn't on his A game. Right. But the rest of that team is so deep. And like you said, Capella is like turning back the clock. I think that, yeah, even even with Jared Allen coming back, it's going to be hard for Cleveland to keep up scoring-wise. Because, you, dude, when you watch Cleveland, right, it's like it's you need Karis LeVert. You, like, you can't – Darius Garland can't be kind of winning these possessions, uh, scoring on each of these possessions by himself. 
And they just don't have a lot of offense that can generate when it gets tight. Like, yeah. Mobley's not that guy yet. Okoro's definitely not that guy. Um, you know, Karis LeVert is, he'll shoot, but he's not that efficient. So I just don't see them keeping up with, with Atlanta. Yeah, and I just read a report that says Allen's 50-50. And we didn't even talk about John Collins, who's going to be out for this game yeah. as well. No. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Like, DeAndre Hunter, when he's healthy, he's been a very, very good player from them as like a 3 and D guy who could slash, who can kind of like guard the opposing. Because one of the problems is Atlanta has basically nothing on perimeter defense if he's hurt between Young, who's not playing any defense, uh, Herder, who puts in a little bit of effort but is limited, and Bogdanovich, who's been offended if you ever ask him to play defense. So essentially they really don't have anybody out there guarding anyone other than Hunter. And don't get me started on Gallinari. So that's what it's so crucial for. Even if you look at that Charlotte game with the way he was just bothering uh, Miles Bridges, forcing him into a lot of tough shots, like really making life difficult for him. Um, I think that's a crucial piece. And like, while the Cavs don't necessarily have a wing scorer, like Karis LeVert is, is a guy you could think about. He may not have like the same kind of player that he's tasked to, to take away. But to your point, if you do take away that option, Garland is not quite there in his evolution to sort of put the team on his back and be like, all right, I'm going to get 30 and 12 and take us, take us home. Um, we know Mobley's not there yet as a rookie. So the Cavs are a nice story. I think I'm very interested to see, like, I would say the Cavs and the um, the Hornets and also the Spurs in the West are in very similar situations where they have young all-stars. All three of those teams had all-stars. All three of them are, you know, should be optimistic from their fan base standpoint, but you really wonder, like, what does that next step look like for them? How do they get over the hump? Yeah. How do they look more like Memphis than the Knicks, right? Both teams kind of had that ascension. The Memphis Grizzlies took it all the way up to the two seed. The Knicks fell back to earth. You kind of wonder where they're going to land in, in, in that spectrum. All three and I think, really. And the fact that they've got Mobley, who plays can play defense, is a defensive force, and play offense, and you have that to anchor yourself, like that gives them a much more promising future than LaMelo and Miles Bridges or yep. DeJounte and I don't even know. Keldon Johnson. Like, I don't know who you want to say on the Spurs, right? But right. it's so. Spurs, yeah. Spurs don't have the top end talent, I think, that the Cavs have. So, Cleveland, I think you like, I think with the Spurs and the Hornets, you have, you can look at those games and be like, what is the direction of this team? Do we need to shake things up? At least with Cleveland, you're like, this is fine. We're heading in the yeah. right direction. We yeah. can literally run this roster back, make moves around the edges, yeah. and we're only going to get better, you would think. And it is unfair to. Gl- to group Cleveland with those other guys. Like if they yeah. hadn't gotten as many injuries as they did, I think we would have actually seen the bulls in the play in tournament with as bad as yeah. they were done. Yeah, the, the way they were sliding towards the end of the season. Yeah. For sure. So, you know, and you look at the guy, it's like, okay, where's our next stud next to our current stud. And Mobley's already that guy for them. Yep. They already got to pick top three last year and got the chance to take Mobley. So, I think if you're the Spurs, you're looking at it like we're potentially stuck. Um, we made the play on playing game by total accident because the Lakers absolutely fucking imploded, um, and we were 34 and 46, or sorry, 34 and 48. We weren't exactly like lighting the league on fire. And if you're Charlotte, you say, okay, we have a star, 20 year old Lamelo, youngest player to ever make an All Star team, which is amazing. What's your take on Lamelo? Because I like him. If you remember the bold predictions from Week One of the yeah. season, I predicted he would make the All Star team. Um, yeah, I still have big time reservations about 
who he can be among the game's elite. I struggle to see how he gets buckets in a consistent fashion. Too often times he's taking these wild step back threes. And if he hits eight of them, he has 30 points. And if he hits one of them, he has 12 points. And that's, there's like almost no in between his, his shot selection's not great. He's not a creative scorer. He doesn't have ways to, to get efficient shots off. It's a lot of it is like, it's in the flow of the game. It's step backs. It's things that you can't count on. I think for him to evolve his game, he has to become more of an efficient scorer. The yeah. playmaking's there, but even the playmaking, I think he um, he relies a little bit too much on the razzle-dazzle. Uh, I know that's always yeah. been his knock, but you see that in sometimes in games where you just need him to be a steadier force on offense than he is. I, I you know, I, The way I look at him, the problem with a guy like Lamelo is there's so many good guards in the league, right? And so if you want to be like a truly impactful guard, right, and not just a guy who can pad stats, which is right now, to be fair, I mean, I know his numbers are good, but until Charlotte starts winning, we don't know what his actual, you know, impact could be. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think, but I think the improvement comes on the scoring side. He just has to become a smarter scorer yeah. and learn how to get, you know, get more of his points at the rim as well. Like, I know he does to a certain extent, but he settles way too much. He settles a lot, and I think he struggles with a similar problem that Lonzo showed first at UCLA, then the NBA, is that he doesn't have moves. Yeah. And there's not a direct, like, this is always the problem with Lonzo originally, is like, how does he get to his spots? And one of the reasons Lonzo was atrocious as a rookie is because he couldn't shoot either. Lonzo eventually corrected that issue. LaMelo can already shoot. He came into the yep. league being able to shoot, which was surprising given his like previous career numbers in Australia and in high school. But nonetheless... He can basically project as a high 30s, maybe 40% three-point shooter, which is a great, great, like, sort of fallback option. But I tell you what, like, yesterday you look at it and you're like, you're the star of the team. I know you're only a second-year player, but you have to be able to force the issue and get to the basket. You have to be able to get to the line. You have to be able to suck in the defense and find open three-point shooters. And he wasn't able to do that over and over again. And, you know, I'm not trying to be too hard on this guy. He's, like, literally a baby. No. Um, yeah. But... I think they and need to find a guy that's better than him. He yeah. can be a great number two. And I don't know how you go find that guy if you're sure. So that, that I think is, is the crux. He's not going to be the best player in your team. I just don't see it. And the other thing is, I mean, I think, look, LaMelo, we both agree he's going to be amazing. It's just that he's been coddled and enabled his entire life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he, because of his, his family's fame people, and because House of Highlights, right? Like House of Highlights will post his – in his rookie season last year, he's always making those clips, right? And I think you get – and he's the kind of guy who's flashy. He likes dressing up, uh, you know, in, in all the crazy outfits. He loves – even in this game, I think they were down. I forgot how much they were down. He hit a three and he starts doing the ice in his veins. Yeah. Like, he cares a little too much about kind of the way things look. And I think he just needs to settle down and kind of focus on the parts of his game that really need work. And I don't think right – last two years – he hasn't had any incentive to that. He plays fast. He plays loose, and that's right. worked. But ultimately, to go up another notch, he can't keep playing like that. So, yeah, I totally agree. Um, and there's there's plenty of promise. There's no knock on him long term, but I do think there's a couple open questions. Turning our attention, uh, so before we finish up in the East, who do you? I mean, do you, who do you have winning this game tomorrow night? The Hawks. The Hawks. Okay. 
I haven't seen what the line is yet. I imagine that the Cavs just being at home might be like a one or two point favorite, but that's basically a coin flip. And if Trey yeah. shoots better than he did last night, like it's going to be really, really hard for the Cavs to put up 115, 120 points that they're probably going to need to. Exactly. Um, all right, out West, I thought that the Timberwolves-Clippers game, aside from the fact that the refs like decided to make it a show about themselves, was an unbelievable just fun, fun game. It was one of the clear examples of how good of an idea and how well executed the play-in tournament was because aside from Paul George, nobody else is really a household name by any stretch. Like maybe Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards has not arrived yet, you know, in a mainstream way, but like the crowd, the excitement, like playing for a playoff spot, which is the seven seed, which you're probably going to lose round one. Like all of that didn't matter. It was just a fun fucking environment. I felt like, the game swung so many different ways. And then Cat gets, you know, he gets fouled out. So you're like, okay, the Clippers are going to take this home. And then suddenly Edwards, Russell, and these boys just brought him back. And it was, it was actually pretty amazing to see because the Clippers are usually the ones coming back on teams and they got that script uh, flipped. This reminded me a lot of last year, uh, Warriors Memphis, where, Memphis is the upstart team. Ja is like his first kind of time on the national scene, right? Just like Ant this time. And you're going up against a flaw. Like the Warriors last year were hobbled, injured, but they still got veteran presence. They've got Steph, just like this Clippers team has PG. And a lot of people were picking the Clippers this year, um, you know, myself included. A lot of people last year picked the the Warriors. And it's great that a play-in can can really showcase some of these young teams in a good way because we all know Minnesota. I mean, I don't know what you think when we get to the preview. You may think Minnesota has a good chance against Memphis, but traditionally these teams, when they get into the first round, it's not going to look good, right? So it was nice to have this moment. I do have a rant I want to go on, though. Okay, let's hear it. I This is a problem with our culture in general, right? Oh, man. It is... There was so much talk about why can't people just let the wolves celebrate? Why is everyone clowning on them? Why don't they understand that these fans have been through so much? I don't even think people were making that much fun of them. I mean, there were jokes made. Yeah, but why did people get so defensive? And why did all these think pieces have to come out about, <laughs> oh, these small market teams, like why don't people appreciate it when they win and when these guys care and they're happy? There always has to be a counter reaction when there really wasn't even that much of a reaction in the first place. And it just pisses me off. And look, I I know what a small market teams like to play the role of victim. I love to play the role of a victim as a Kings fan. And Timberwolves fans want to play the role of victim, and they want to be like, everyone's mad at us, everyone hates us. But it's like, dude, it's funny because, first of all, you guys broke a 14-year playoff drought in 2018. And you barely celebrated that shit barely right like it was a it was a big deal it was a huge deal and it was a play-in game too essentially to get in and it was a playing game it was game 82 you would think that that would be the singular moment so it's funny that this year i know it's a little different they've got a lot of young talent it's like you know it's not jimmy butler this is like ant but like to have pat beverly celebrating this and to go <laughs> all out it's funny and like i don't know why they're getting all up in like anyways yeah. I just didn't understand what this whole counter reaction was about. Oh, don't make fun of the Timberwolves. They deserve this. Like, dude, what? calm down. 
what the whole hullabahoo was about. Yeah, the hullabahoo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listen, whatever your rant was just now, it could literally be applied to any topic discussed in the world today. Yeah, and I know you agree with me. I do agree with you. It's just like, dude, we were making fun of a team because they were jumping on the fucking table for qualifying for the playoffs. Like, yeah, that's funny. Like the TNT crew putting the We Are the Champions montage behind Patrick Beverly, like leaving the floor in tears. Like I thought they were going to drop confetti from the Raptors. Like, <laughs> look, I'm happy for Minnesota. Again, anybody should be able to feel however the fuck they want to feel about stuff, right? Like I'm not saying that they should or shouldn't be happy. We are also allowed to feel how we want to feel about how they feel, right? So let's let's make that clear. Like nobody is doing anything or saying anything offensive. Like you can make fun of a person without like needing to be called out as like the worst person and the worst character on earth. Yeah. Like we need to like fucking rein this in in terms of how we actually think about like discourse in general, but specifically to something as like basic and meaningless as like sports and a playoff berth. Like get a grip. And, and and the get a grip comment is towards the reaction to the reaction. Yeah, it's exactly. not about it's not about what Minnesota chose to do. Like if their fans wanted to be hyped, sure, be hyped. Like you had said privately, like if the Kings were in that position, they, you guys might actually yeah. be like burning couches in the street. Like there's no telling what would happen, which is fine. Again, yeah, it's and, fine. and people would make fun of us. Like if it was I don't know Harrison Barnes in the locker room talking mad shit and they're celebrating. Like of course we're gonna get clowned on, and and you know it shouldn't bother you. It's like it's it's just funny to me because you know I was reading you know and you go down the Reddit rabbit hole of comments and things like that, and they're like. No one understands. We've won two playoff series in the last 15 years. You don't know what it's like to be a Timberwolves fan. I'm like, dude, you stop playing the victim. We get it. We know. That's why it's funny. It is bad. They've won one playoff game, not two yeah. series. They've literally won one playoff game since 2004, uh, which was the year they made the conference finals and the last year of Shaq and Kobe uh, in L.A. So, you, you know, by the way, I don't know if you remember, but like the O2 Kings Lakers series is obviously like number one on like the egregious ref rankings. The O4 Timberwolves Lakers series is up there, but it's <laughs> underrated. Like there was some shit going on that was just like, oh yeah. I remember what? back then being very upset about that too. It's like yeah. they got away with it again. I think I was crying. Like Wally Zerbiak <laughs> was just like getting these phantom calls called on him as out of control. <laughs> Kobe Bryant just living at the line. Um, anyway, okay. Uh, then finally, the Clippers, uh, Spurs. Again, the Spurs just outclassed. Uh, this is a different. Sorry, Pelicans. Uh, did I yeah, say Clippers? Pelicans, Clippers. Yep. Yeah, Pelicans versus Spurs. The Pelicans just totally dominated that from start to finish. You know, they started what three and sixteen. Mm-hmm. That's not even the team that exists right now. Like you can't. Their record is almost irrelevant because since then they've obviously added CJ McCollum. They've gotten a healthy Brandon Ingram. They've moved, they figured out their lineup where they've moved Devontae Graham to the bench. They got Herb freaking Jones, Jones who I think a lot of people have not seen yeah. um, a lot of. And then they just watched him just terrorize the Spurs for 48 minutes while hitting threes. There's a lot of like early Kawhi buzz happening right now. Uh, I don't yeah. know if you've seen any of that. Um, I think pump, but I can imagine. Maybe pump the brakes just a bit uh, on that for now, but he does look really promising, especially as a second round pick. I mean, I don't know if they're going to beat the Clippers, especially in L.A. Uh, the Clippers did not shoot the ball great versus Minnesota. They could easily hit 22 threes on uh, on Friday and then take this one going away. But damn, man, if Zion is serious about winning, there's only one place for him to play. 
uh, that has a real shot at winning. And what I mean by that is he's not going to get traded to like the Mavericks, right? Like it's got to be a team that's either rebuilding who can give up assets or he stays exactly where he is. And this lineup with a 27 point per game score, who's above 60% true shooting, who's basically playing point guard on offense. Like, all right, you're going to call me a prisoner in a moment. They're ti- they're title contenders next year with the healthy Zion. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to come back to this. I mean, they honestly, like, they 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 might over-index on too much offense. Like, you still need a little bit more defense than some of your top guys are giving you. But, God damn, they got a lot of talent up and down it's, that roster. It's tantalizing. It's tantalizing. And I think Herb Jones's emergence as a defensive presence alleviates some of the concerns, you know, that – even with Zion that they've had defensively. And because you got CJ McCollum to lower that scoring burden, like all of a sudden now you've got CJ McCollum and Ingram on the wings, Zion down low, Valanciunas, who is not a, a bad offensive threat. Like now oh, all of a sudden good, that dude. offense, and Willie Green seems to be a relatively good coach in terms of what he's gotten out of this team and the fact that they played hard all season. I, I agree, man. They're going to be good, but... It's just one of those things where you can't say title contender yet. If they're a fifth seed next year, that would be amazing. A four or five. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, five. Yeah, top five in the West. But like, look at the West, right? You have Utah, which is maybe in and out. You have Dallas, which is a one man show. You got Phoenix, which is going to be up there. Golden State's going to be up there. Memphis, who knows if they're going to be able to be that, sustain that excellence for next year, right? Like, Maybe the Lakers retool, but the West continues to be pretty open. I think if you have Clippers Denver. and Nuggets, yeah, Clippers and Nuggets will be back, and it's going to be competitive. <laughs> but if you're a guy, if you if you're Zion Williamson, I'm saying full health. He finished the season as a top fifteen guy last year, and so yeah, all of uh, was he all NBA or was he, he just he on wasn't? Our but he was on our ballots. I think he was right up there. If he played more games, maybe he would have made it. But like, yeah. If he's an all NBA player and you have all this other talent around him, I don't know. Like, even a guy like Jackson Hayes, we were le- leaving for dead and he's yeah. been decent for he's him. Been so, solid, yeah. You know, it's, and they still have another offseason. They haven't paid Zion yet. So, aside from CJ, nobody's on a crazy contract. There's still flexibility there. And, I, and I, really, I really yeah. like what they're putting together. And they're another team that's played ultra big at times and it hasn't hurt them, right? Hayes and Valanciunas and Ingram, like they've got flexibility with their lineups. They've got pieces to work with. I agree. They're uh, the question though, Zion, right? Like all this noise this season, I agree that this is, he should be in New York. This is the best chance for him to make a statement. And this is a team that's going to be winning. Like you can go to New York and do what, or you can go to, I don't know what other teams, but you're right. Like, if you're going to give up, they're going to have to give up assets. He's not going to go to a winning situation. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, obviously. And with his health teams. concerns, you just sign the extension. You know, you stay in New Orleans. You don't even mess with that. Yeah, like Miami could offer Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero and picks. I'm guessing that's not super no. enticing for New Orleans, right? New Orleans so. will say no to that for sure. So that's the thing. It's like, I don't know how many situations that are realistic for Zion will actually be better than this one if he's serious about winning. Yeah. And it's unclear because he's doing 360 dunks and then not playing. Yeah. I'm not really really sure how to put all that together. Anyway, we're half an hour in. We haven't even talked about the damn actual playoffs. So let's let's switch. Okay, so your prediction, by the way, eight on this 8-9, Clippers versus Pelicans. Oh, this is hard. 
No, I'll go with Clippers. Give me Clippers, but I would take the the Pelicans points. I think it's going to be really close. But I think the Clippers should have won the last game. They had that game yeah. under control, and then those last six minutes were just disastrous. And I think they were caught a little off guard with um, Ant. They didn't know how to guard Ant, and they took Zubox off a little too early. They had no perimeter or no paint presence. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think just they kind like of crumbled. sprinting at the rim over and over again. I don't understand why they couldn't. St- it's like in 2K, right, where, like, as if I just press turbo and just run right by the defender. That was what was happening every time. And the defender, like whoever was guarding him, right, was always playing way too far up, like worried about the three, and he'd blow by them. And then there was no one to, like everyone else was spread out, and there was no one to come on the help. And yeah. Was, guarding guarding Ant reminds me of like, we were, I was playing pickup the other day, and like normally we play uh, a pickup run that's pretty, you know, you've played it, right? It's pretty equivalent to our skill. Yeah, there's some people who are better. There's some yeah. people maybe a little worse. But generally speaking, you don't, you know, nobody stands out uh, too much, right? It's the right kind of just like let's exercise and not get hurt kind of mindset. Um, I was playing at a different place a couple weeks ago, and I'm guarding this dude who doesn't look super athletic, Um not super tall either. I mean, he's taller than me, but like nothing crazy. He gets the ball in the wing. First possession blows by me. I catch up only because he's kind of coming back to the basket. He puts his shoulder into my chest. I'm at the <laughs> fucking backstop and he's laying it up at the cup. And I was like, that's when I was watching Anthony Edwards last night. I was like, that's probably what it is like to guard him, <laughs> even for NBA players. Cause like, you're just dead in the water. He's too much of a physical freak when he gets to his spots. And like the dunk that he had, like he just ran right around Norm oh, Powell, yeah. like to your point of turbo. And Norm Powell looked like he was just literally stuck on the ground, like glued to the floor like that one girl. Um, <laughs> and he just like dunked and there was absolutely nobody interested in making a play on him. So I think after I get- that happened to you, did you, uh, did you um, check out of the game? Was no, it, dude, was it those games, listen, those games, all you have to do is have a really extremely high basketball IQ, make the right plays, hustle. Yeah, which you end obviously up doing do well. right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For me, I'm like a sort of like a Draymond, Bruce Brown type <laughs> player on the, in those situations running the four on three. So um, I held my own and I played. I was calling out for more help on switches and things like that. <laughs> Just <immediate> help. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Before should the ball play boxing one, but I'm like down, I'm like on the right somewhere. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think I got Clippers as well, but that will that'll make me upset because I really think this Pelicans team, you know, is a lot of fun, and hopefully next year Zion and uh, you know Zion feels you know, compelled to play basketball again, <laughs> which is a, a, an ask I would ask of a lot of players around the league. Um, yeah. All right, let's go to the series. So we're going to ignore the one eights for now um, because we don't know. Obviously, I think Phoenix and Miami. Would you pick against them in either of these matchups they could have? In round no, okay. no, right. Although I know you, you want to talk about the Hawks, though, right? In, in that Miami series, I, yeah. Just or because possible Hawks. Just because I think, and we let's start out east. Let's just start yeah. with Miami, Miami potentially Atlanta, and and again, if Cleveland wins this, and we look like idiots for this segment, but I just think that Atlanta, their size is actually going to be a problem for, um, you know, for the for the Heat. Bam is a finesse center more than he's a power center. And Capella, mm-hmm. while he's obviously not as skilled as Bam, is going to give them a lot of problems on the glass, much like Brooke Lopez did last year, and just generally being a presence in the rim. 
you know, Kyle Lowry is a good defender, but I don't know that he's got the foot speed to keep up with Trey. Yeah. Um, and I don't know who else they can use to guard him. Like, are they really going to guard Trey with Jimmy Butler and expend, you know, expend all that energy there? That's not a good no. matchup for him. So, and again, I'm telling you, like Miami is the one seed. Major props to them. Neither of us had an All NBA guy from the Heat. I don't think they're going to have an All NBA guy on the team. They still finish with the one seed. But late game offense, I need to see it in the playoffs. If it's just Tyler Hero, I don't think this is going to work well for them. I'm not predicting in Atlanta to beat them, but I do think that that's the one that, like, if there was an upset, I could see that happening. And we've seen this. We've seen this happen last year. We saw an Atlanta team get hot against Philly. A more yeah. talented team, a higher seeded team. It's not out of the realm of possibility, especially the way Atlanta's been playing. Yeah. I agree absolutely. with Lowry's foot speed. Like, I, you know, as good as Miami is defensively, I can see why Atlanta would give them problems. But I think they're just so disciplined defensively that it's going to be hard for Atlanta to win a seven game series. They're going to have some scoring outbursts, but I, I just think in the grand scheme of things, it's hard for them to win four against this Miami team. Yeah. So it might be close. It might be six and maybe even seven, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Miami was one of four teams this year that finished top 10 in offense and defense, right? So we kind of underrate how good they are offensively because we feel like they're maybe a little bit, especially in the half court, get get a little predictable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, they've been able to keep it going all year. And and by the way, Victor Oladipo, who I don't know how much he'll play in the playoffs, he's had a couple decent games down the stretch. Again, it may just be sort of like random chance, and he's going to mix those in with terrible like two for 11 games too. But starting to kind of look like his old self, which I think is actually helpful to them because they do need more guards behind Lowry and Hero, especially if you're not sure what Vincent and Max Struess are going to give you. Yeah, I'm curious to see how they use him because I, I don't know if he'd be in their core rotation. like yeah. or, or maybe early on he will be, but like later on, like when they – get down to an eight, seven man. I don't know if he'd be there, but look, he's been playing well. He dropped 40, 10 and seven in the last game of the season, of course, against the magic and scrubs. But like, he's the fact that he's even able to do that again. And he's been putting up a couple big numbers uh, in some of these games. Yeah. He could be an X factor. So that'll be interesting. I mean, he's only played eight games this year, so we don't even know Um, right now. He's kind of behind Struz, Vincent, and Caleb Martin, and Hero as like guard wings coming off the bench. So mm-hmm. when they tighten to an eight, nine man rotation, I, I can't imagine he's going to be in it unless they bump one of those other guys. So we'll, we'll have to kind of see how the, how this plays out. And like, again, I, I think Miami's going to get through, but something to keep in mind, at least for round two onwards. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to the two seven in the East. Boston versus Brooklyn, unreal round one matchup. I mean, you look at Boston, they've basically been the best team in the league since January 1, finished second in defense, second in net rating overall behind Phoenix in that category. No Robert Williams for some period of time, we don't know. There's starting to be some whispers that he might return in this series. He's going to be out to start, at least, as is Ben Simmons. Both of those guys kind of TBD. This one is, you know, if you look at the Vegas odds, Boston is a slight favorite. I think uh, Brooklyn's like plus 120 to win yeah. the series, so it's near toss-up. Um, Brooklyn, like we talked about at the top, has not put together consistent effort and energy, but goddamn, man, like if those two dudes get cooking, I don't know what you do uh, defensively, as good as Boston's been on that end. 
this is the hardest series. And I think the biggest swing that we could see in, in the, of outcomes that would not be surprising, where I think Boston could win in five, and you're like, okay. And the Nets could win in five, and you could totally see a path towards that. And I don't think any other series in the first round has such a swing of outcomes. It's, it's hard, man. I mean, I, I think one of the things Boston defensively loves to switch everything. Mm-hmm. They switch everything. And that is a recipe for disaster against the Nets, who will welcome that and go ISO uh, with with Kyrie and Durant. So like we talked about before, it'll be interesting how they guard those guys. Will they send two? Will they try to have, I don't know, Smart or Tatum or Brown? They've got capable perimeter defenders. But I'm, I'm wondering how they'll use them against the Nets and how they plan to slow them down. And then on the offensive side, I mean, the, like, I think Boston, we've seen this, right? This year, they've they've been pretty good on offense. Tatum has been excellent down the stretch. But we, we've seen this lineup in the past, and we know what happens towards the end of games. They become very iso-heavy between Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And I know Tatum can carry that burden. But if you're going, if you're in a close game and it's Tatum versus Durant, possession after possession, with Jalen Brown as your second guy and Kyrie as the second guy, mm-hmm. that's not a game you want to get into, right? And and that's yeah. still the hard part. Like, it doesn't matter what the metrics say, all the advanced stats, all that. At the end of the day, you got Durant and Kyrie on the other team, and that's scary, man. So I don't know. This is going to be an. This is the best series in this first round. It's going to be awesome, but. I think the thing that scares me if I'm Brooklyn, and we talked about this. You remember they played on national TV uh, maybe three weeks ago, uh, Sunday Sunday afternoon game, three or four weeks ago. Durant had 37. Tatum had like 52. One of the things that was working for the Celtics is they just kept pick and roll switching to get Kyrie or Seth Curry on Tatum. And that's the big problem is that they play with two small guards that are smaller than anyone else on on Boston's lineup. Um, and if there's even situations where they go to three small guards with Patty Mills or Dragic out there and like without Simmons, who's able to be somewhat of a Swiss army knife trying to guard, you know, the opposing team's best wings while also being a facilitator and Bruce Brown puts, puts together like a decent version of this, but he's not quite the on ball defender Simmons is. Mm -hmm. I just worry that they're going to run out of horsepower um Durant's going to be asked to do so much and he's already been playing over 40 minutes a night for the last like three weeks like just to drag this sorry ass team into the playoffs to begin with now he's going to do it again against the best defense in the league like he's shown that he's capable of logging very heavy minutes but if we're already at the point where he's playing 40 plus and we haven't even started the playoffs that's just the thing that gives me gives me a little concern you know Boston, to your point, they're going to have all the questions about what the late game offense looks like. What kind of Marcus Smart are we getting when the chips are on the table in terms of like shot selection um, versus, you know, facilitation? And what does Robert Williams not being there, you know, what does that cause them to, to miss out on? It's not just about Tice being a valuable replacement. It's Tice foul trouble or Horford yeah. foul trouble. Suddenly, who's your third big? You don't have one. So I think that's the that's kind of the big questions for Boston right now. And, you know, the Kevin Durant, like, how can he do this every night question? If you watch that Cavs game, he was exerting so much energy on the defensive end. Yeah, 100%. Right? Like, he was getting, like, highlight-worthy blocks, and <laughs> he was patrolling the paint. And and to and the, the thing is, he has to do that um, with this lineup. And the funny thing is, last year, Blake Griffin, although he was not anything special, 
he was rather serviceable on defense. Um, you know, and, and offense obviously was not contributing that much, but I feel like this year there's so much burden on Durant defensively that I I don't know, man. He's got to run out of gas, right? Like those shots late in the game start clanking, and yep. it's not sustainable. I don't know how, or I don't know how sustainable it is. You know, Durant's my favorite player in the game, and I'm always yep. going to be a little biased towards him. But I do think it's amazing how he's such a gifted scorer that people don't even really talk about everything else he brings. I mentioned the assists at the start of the playmaking. His defense is otherworldly on a lot of possessions. Like, yes, he doesn't do it every every single time down the floor. Very few offensive stars do. But, like, he's their rim protector. He's in the passing lanes. He's going to the glass to help Drummond. He's, you know, on switches will be guarding in the post. Like, he guarded and beat a few stretches in, you know, past games. Like, it's, a, it's everything from him. And, you know, one of the things people don't recognize with those Warriors teams is, like, you're like oh, the on-off number, Steph, blah, blah, blah. But Steph was a one-way player. No matter what you say, he's a one-way player. He's a serviceable team defender, but he's not an elite individual defender. Whereas Durant turned into this version, I think, especially defensively with those Warriors, and then yep. he really learned to be that two-way two-way force. It's it's a gauntlet, man. Like this this could have broken a little bit easier for them, I guess. But <laughs> now they're looking at Boston round one, Milwaukee round two, and then either Philly or Miami round three before they get to the Suns, let's say. I still think this is the better path for them than playing Milwaukee in round one. And I know Boston this year has been a better team. Milwaukee to me still scares me more. But they have to play them anyway, though. So what does it matter if they see them in round one or not? You're right. right. Well, I mean, you know, the Simmons, if you think maybe Simmons can give them anything. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Okay, speaking of Milwaukee, so who are you picking? We're going to go through. Dude, I flip-flopped on this so much. Um, yesterday, I had Nets in seven. Today, I'm going Celtics in six. I don't think Celtics win in seven. I, I think Durant will win any game seven. If they win, it's got to be in six. Didn't they just lose a game seven last year? Barely. Foot on the line. No Kyrie. Hobble One target Harden, yeah. I think I'm going Durant. I'm just going to take him. God, I... I kind of want to go Durant too. I just, I just I, Dur- Durant hasn't lost in round one since what 2011, 2010. Yeah, that's that, that. I mean, he hasn't played anyone this good in round one either. True, he's never been a seven seed. That's true, but I just, yeah, I don't know because like last year I would have said they would have beat the Bucks and they didn't. So I'm gonna give Boston the benefit of the doubt if all these metrics, everything about them is screaming elite team. Fine. I'll pick them in six and let's see them. I can't wait, man. This is the best series. Yeah. yeah this, this is going to be good. And, and guess what? Boston fans are going to be insufferable <laughs> if they do win. I know. I just hope if they win, then Milwaukee just like Milwaukee, shuts yeah, in Milwaukee's the locker not. immediately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go to that team. Milwaukee playing the, the Bulls. The Bulls are sadly, they were a great, great story. They were the number one seed through 35, 36 games this year. They were 26 and 10. They finished really, really poorly. And as everyone in their mothers has mentioned, their record against good teams is atrocious. Um, somehow DeRozan during all of this kept up his numbers, even if he cooled off a bit. But they, yeah. they with, between the Lonzo, Caruso, P-Will injuries, between Zach Levine kind of having some knee trouble, you know, Vucevic sort of being up and down, this is really unraveled. I think it's still a feel-good story, but it's very much starting to feel like a kind of depressing story now. 
And with an ugly loss to the Bucks, I think a lot of Bulls fans who are super hyped and happy with the result are not going to feel that same way. So they are the lowest odds, or the longest odds, I should say, to win their round one series of any underdog. They're plus 700 to win the series. Um, I obviously think there's 0% chance of that happening. I got the Bucks in four or five, but anything to call out on this from your angle or anything you're watching um, between these two teams? Uh, it's going to be a bloodbath. Um, it, the interesting thing is, you know, Milwaukee, again, they've been known for the last several years. They give up a lot of threes, right? Um, and I think where they sometimes get killed is it's a high variance game when you let teams shoot three. Brooke, uh, sorry, Chicago is a team that lives in that mid range. Um, they don't shoot. They don't have a high three point volume, even though they shoot a good percentage. Um, But or actually, I think they they take a good amount of three point shots. But the fact that they they depend so heavily on the mid range, that I think plays to what Milwaukee wants you to do and allows Giannis doesn't have to extend out too far. And you've got Drew Holiday and Middleton, big defenders, to give Levine and DeRozan problems. I just I I don't see a path. And the way the Bulls have been playing in the last month or two months, they have the metrics of a team that's you know bottom ten in the league. Like they've been bad. And uh, so I think it's very hard for me to even K, uh, like design a path for them to win one or two games. I think they get swept. So I think it's going to be a gentleman's sweep just because I think the Chicago crowd is going to be really excited. Um, and I think they're going to get one where Milwaukee takes their foot off the gas. And last That's year, true. actually, Milwaukee swept Miami. But they almost lost game one. That was the overtime game, if you remember. Yep, yep. And then from there, it was a demolition. So there's a possibility that we'll see a couple inflection points. If they go Milwaukee's way, maybe it doesn't end sweep. But I don't think there's a whole lot to, to kind of break down from like a X's and O's standpoint. The only thing, you know, is that usually Milwaukee, where they're at their best, is Giannis at the five. I don't think when they go to that lineup that you can play Vucevic frankly, and he's their third best player. And so it's going to be hard for them with as limited front court depth as Chicago has to try to go to a small ball team. That's going to be successful. Like if Patrick Williams or Javante green is at the five, they're going to get murdered. And yep. so I, I just don't know what the answer to, to, to Giannis is in any capacity. I think he could be 35 and 15 every night if he wanted to. Yeah, this one it's it's sad because it was so exciting to see the Bulls back in the postseason after what five five years I think. It was yeah, just think pretty significant amount of time, and they got the worst. They've entered the postseason in the it's worst. It's literally way the possible, worst matchup for them, and too. the worst matchup possible. So it it just sucks all around. Even a team like Boston would have been a better matchup as hot as they've been because yeah. at least they can match wings and they you know they won't get killed on the glass in the way they might in the series. Yeah. Um, okay. Next up, Toronto Philly. Um, so I just mentioned the team with the lowest odds to win round one. This is the team with the second best odds. So Brooklyn's a team with the second best odds as the, the best odds as the underdog. Toronto's the second best plus win, 154 to win the series. No Thibel in Toronto. He's obviously not vaccinated. I think that's a pretty, pretty big deal. And one reason why, I wasn't sure what Philly wanted to go do uh, that last that last day in terms of which seating they wanted to get to. Um, a lot of people have circled this as the number one 
opportunity for an upset in round one, just given how versatile Toronto's wings are, you know, and a lot of playoff baggage for the Sixers. I think every talk show is going around the horn, basically saying that the most pressure in the world is on Harden. And I don't disagree. Like if this goes sour, I don't know what the sort of plan B is for this team, but you know, as of now, you got to think Embiid is the MVP candidate. We'll not let them lose in round one. But we've seen, even in the last couple of weeks, the Sixers lose when he puts up dominant performances. So what are you thinking about this series? What are the key matchups? Uh, and, and where is your head at about uh, outcomes? It's Harden. It's all Harden. And the Raptors are a team that can bother Harden. What does Harden like to do? He likes to... Get to the rim, get that first step on you, get to the rim. And if you're not disciplined, take advantage of flailing arms, get to the free throw line. That's where he likes to live. He's not that guy who can create. He, I mean, he'll do a step back game, but he's he can't even create that much space on those step backs anymore. He's, he's so reliant on getting to the free throw line more than he has in the past because everything else in his arsenal has kind of suffered a little bit because his, his first step, his athleticism is not as good. And you're playing a team against Toronto, very disciplined defenders. Van Vliet is an all-defense type guy. Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, length. You're running into a lot of bodies driving into the paint. So this is, Harden has to, he can't be completely neutralized. And he's been neutralized a lot down the stretch. And I agree. Like I think because they've got Embiid, and look, it's still early in the postseason run, he can just bully them, right? Go for 35. Um, and they're gonna ride him till the you know till the end. They can win like that, but I think Harden needs to get something going. And so I'm gonna watch how he plays against these Raptors wings because I think that is gonna be if if he can't get anything going, this series could go six or seven. And and Philly does not want that. I like Toronto to win this. Um wow, okay. Two reasons. One, like you said, Harden does not have that burst anymore. He cannot get around guys the way he used to. And I think about all of the wings that they could throw at him. Even a guy like Van Vliet is an all-NBA level defender. Yep. And even though he's smaller, you're looking at someone who's going to be bothering, whether it's him or Maxi. You have you have Siakam. We both kind of were waffling on that final all-NBA forward spot, debating between Levine, Siakam. I mean, the way Siakam closed the year, he probably edged out Levine. It should have um, been Siakam, yeah. Now which is crazy because he wasn't even an all-star this season, right? Like, he was considered almost like an albatross contract by some. So the fact that he's turned it all the way around to be all-NBA is just a wild um, 180 that he's done. Then you throw in Barnes, you throw in Anunoby. You know, you have Gary Trent, you have Fred Van Vliet. The only thing that they suffer is they have absolutely no answer for for Embiid. However, who is one of the best scheme defenders coaching-wise? Nurse. He will figure out a way. And it doesn't mean that Embiid's not going to get his numbers. I absolutely think that he will. But he'll figure out a way to either neutralize everyone else or make Embiid work just as much harder. And and Embiid's talked about Toronto and all of their different doubling and everything else like that. Yeah. If they double down and Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey and Thibel are not making threes, you know, they'll do it all day. And I just Toronto's playing as well as anyone. I'm I'm really, really curious to see kind of what that defensive scheme looks like. But I'm gonna take a flyer and say the Raptors win, and it's fucking panic time to the max in Philadelphia. That would be an all-out disaster. 
Uh, first and B doesn't win the MVP. Well, first the Harden trade and B doesn't win the MVP, and then you flame out in the first round. Uh, I look everything you say is spot on. Um, Tobias Harris, I need him to show some kind of some balls. kind of yeah balls, man. Like he he's got a step. I've never seen him step up in a postseason moment where you know if Embiid is getting locked down or you know when it was Simmons, Tobias Harris has never elevated his game. Yeah. He's always just giving you either the same steady dose of just whatever, 15, 16, or underperformed. And I think Maxi, you know, as good as Maxi's been, he's also young and you can't count on him to bail you out every time. So I, the 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 Raptors are definitely a horrible, horrible draw um for Philly. I just I still have a hard time seeing them. I don't know. I could see it happen. I, I would go Philly in seven. I think it's going to be close, but I think at the end of the day, Embiid, having Embiid is going to be the difference. Yeah, I mean, as much as I think Toronto has a chance, I obviously just pick them. I do. It's similar to the Durant thing where it's like, if you're one of the game's true, true elite players, like you're going to do everything you can to get your team out of round one, especially as the home favorite, right? Yep. But they were the home favorite versus Atlanta. And to your point, in those fourth quarters, they needed Tobias to be anybody other than Tobias. And he couldn't yeah. muster up a better version of himself than what existed. And if that's the case now, we're gonna they're gonna be in trouble. Um, I think it's gonna it's gonna be a really, really fun series. I think the Philly crowd is gonna be bananas, right? Like, but so is Toronto, right? Those are probably what two of the four or five best crowds in all of the NBA. So yeah. Um I'm excited, and I think, and I think Toronto has a lot to prove. With like, okay, we lost Kawhi, we still made the conference semifinals. We lost Lowry, now we made, you know, we made the playoffs as a five seed. Like, they don't want to go away. They don't want to be just like, oh, we were the one hit wonder who never mattered again. So I think there's a bit of a chip on their shoulder too, especially guys like Van Vliet and Siakam. And you know, to your point about Nick Nurse, also, which is great. Thad Young had a quote earlier this week where he was like, "I have never seen a." like opponent scouting report more detailed and more like in depth than what Nick nurse puts together. And that young's been around, right? Like he's a vet. He's been with a lot of teams. Um, yeah. Including so, just with Popovich. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that, that is high praise. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be a really fun series to watch. This actually is my second, this or warriors nuggets, I think are like two and three, but we'll get to that one. So what kind of defense do you think Nurse is going to run with Westbrook and Carmelo next year? <laughs> On the Lakers? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. If they somehow got Dick Nurse. They may be lucky to get a nurse from L.A. General more than to coach that yeah, team. Yeah, it's cl- classic L.A. They just – oh, yeah, Nick Nurse. That, They're like, oh, wait, that's the best head. one, right? Yeah, he could just be our coach. Yeah. It's like, no, well, no, he doesn't want to at all, and everyone hates you. Um. <laughs> All right. Is that it for the East? Did I miss anything? I think we're finally done, yeah. All right, we're finally done. Um, Okay, let's go out west. So, again, we'll quickly touch on Phoenix versus either the Clippers or the Pelicans. I think we both are kind of leaning Clippers. I don't think we'd be surprised if the Pelicans won. Yeah. But nonetheless, the march back to the title starts right now for Phoenix. I think they're absolutely locked in, and I would be stunned beyond stunned if they lost round one to either of these teams or even let it to get to six or seven games. Yeah. I mean, the Clippers, just knowing how they played last couple of postseasons, 
could push it to six, possibly, right? But even that is a stretch given. I just don't think enough people have talked about, or people are talking about it now, but Phoenix is still not seen as a dominant team. I don't know what mm-hmm. it is about them. It's because they don't, I think we might have talked about this. They don't have a top 10 guy. Yep. Right? When you have a top five, top 10 player and you're crushing people in the regular season, you're looked at differently. Booker's getting his is due this season with the all NBA votes and the MVP votes, but people still don't see this team the same way. And I think they're absolutely going to crush. They're yeah. going to, they're going to steamroll to the finals. I, I'm saying it right now. I don't see oh, anyone wow. getting in their way. Um, well, especially with the Luca injury. Yeah. Cause I know that was your big upset watches. The Ma- <laughs> yeah. Mavericks. So I'm basically vindicated by either being right or wrong <laughs> or yeah. But yeah, but it's, it's I, there's not much point. to say about the series. He's, they're gonna they're gonna crush him. It's a good point because Booker, by the way, is pretty much a lock first team All NBA. Nobody's putting him in the top five conversation, and even top ten. Like they could win the title this year, and usually with revisionist history, the way it works is we'll retroactively apply the top ten status to someone. Yep. If Booker wins the title this year, or the Suns win the title, Booker wins Finals MVP you would still be hard-pressed to rank him higher than, like, eight or nine in the league. Yeah. Right? And and it would be, it would be even for me, the king of the, the prisoner of the moment, I would not be able to put him higher than that. Like, right now, I probably have him somewhere in the 15 to 20 range. Um, I have Paul somewhere in the 15 to 20 range. And that's why it's hard to get around this team. Not to say that they can't win the title or anything, but it's just why it's hard to, like, hype them up in our heads. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. Yeah, nothing more to say. If Again, if they struggle in round one, we'll come back and revisit. But at this point, I don't expect and you don't expect that to happen. Um, let's go to the 2-7, Memphis versus Minnesota. This is a really, really fun series with two very confident, high bravado, kind of athletic, young teams on the precipice of being the next great one in the NBA. The Grizzlies have obviously already made that jump, going from eight to two. Timberwolves want to be the next in those footsteps. Um, As good as Memphis has been all year, with or without Ja, and they've been mowing people down, they've not been tested in the manner that they're going to be tested now, which is as the favorites, as the hunted, you know, as the guys that are even going to have home court in round two versus Golden State potentially. So, they have a little bit of playoff experience, but again, one win together as a unit. Do you think that they have any trouble in this series? Do you think that is there anything particularly you're looking for as far as like can they make a deep run to a conference finals potentially? I don't know about the deep run. I don't think they'll have trouble in this series. I think they've got um, the solution for Towns with Jaron Jack. They've got size down low. And I think, you know, one thing that, I really like about Memphis is we all know that they're young. They haven't been in this moment before, like you said. The thing is, though, they've won a lot of games this year on the strength of their bench. And the reason that matters is because when you talk about young teams and these guys who haven't been there, I think this team has learned to win without jaw. These guys have learned how to step up. They get contributions across the board. And in the playoffs, that – that experience they had this year playing all those games without Ja was absolutely invaluable. And I, I think they've got enough defenders to, you know, Minnesota is an elite or one of the elite offensive teams this year. But, you know, their their tendencies, Ant has tendencies. 
D'Angelo has tendencies. They're not guys that are unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Towns, you could argue, is probably the, you know, as badly as he played in the playing game and everyone, for some reason, has a lot of kind of takes on Towns. I was um, just going to say that. Why is there so much vitriol towards And they won. Towns? It's like they lost or something. Like, why is there so much ha- hatred against Towns? Yeah, the guy played poorly. He's been dominant all year. I just There's a lot of people who want to hate Towns. I don't quite get it. it. Yeah, it was really weird to me. But but I just think that this is a team, as good as they are offensively, they're not unsolvable. And I'll just take Memphis's kind of... They're just a machine, and I don't see them losing to this Minnesota team. Maybe other teams, but not Minnesota. Yeah, I'd agree. I think Minnesota is a good team. I did not realize they were the actual best offense in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, talk about your boy Chris Finch. Like, Jesus. Like, That's my boy, Chris They Finch. have talent, but to turn that into the number one offense is amazing. Um, Memphis shuts teams down in their tracks. Uh, they have a potential DPOI candidate. By the way, my, my pick, JJJ, who's actually getting a little bit more momentum. He's getting some love. Uh, so we'll see where it shakes out. But, you know, I think it's like Cat took himself out of that game mentally. Four of those six fouls were just atrocious decision-making to the point that you're really questioning if this dude is like a rookie or, you know, a seven-year vet. Um, but I do expect him to rebound. I expect him to play well. But you just I, I wonder if they're able to overcome – the physicality that Memphis is going to be the in your shorts kind of between Dylan Brooks, between Desmond Bain. Like those are, that's going to be a hell of a matchup on the outside with, with Russell and with uh, Edwards and those guys. And and then Ja is like a superstar, right? Like who is going to slow Ja down? They Pat Bev. No, yeah, no. that's not going to happen. So and they're going to go after Pat Bev. Like you put yourself, you know, on, on the team's bulletin board with the way you act like that. Like they're going to go, and he's hard. not that good, so it's yeah. not hard to go at him. Um, and I respect what he does for a locker room and all that kind of stuff, but like, I think this could be a five-game series. I think Memphis 4-1 is my prediction. I agree. Five games. Okay. All right. This is sneakily, you know, one of your favorites that you already alluded to, and I think one of mine too, which is the Warriors versus the Nuggets. Now, Still unclear when Steph is going to come back. We're pretty much assured that he is going to play in round one, right? Um, He's already been practicing and scrimmaging in full, so maybe he's back as soon as the first game, or maybe he comes back game two or game three. But I don't want to take that lightly, because if he misses two games, that's an entirely different series than if he plays right away. Um, I don't know what to think of this other than to say that a healthy Warriors team, unfortunately and very sadly, probably rolls this Nuggets team. Like, I think it's going to be quick uh, if if Steph plays the whole time. If he doesn't, I'm going the entirely other way and saying the Nuggets will win any game Steph doesn't play. Yeah, so I'm settling somewhere down the middle, more leaning towards the Warriors, just taking the expected value of those outcomes, right? Where Steph is going to be in back, he may not be 100%, but he's going to play. He's going to be effective. Um, yeah, man, the Nuggets, you know, there was we, – we talked about uh, Jamal Murray was, what, practicing? or What was he doing? He was back on – Dude, he was practicing in the G League like a month ago. It, it, it looked promising. That was like a month ago. It looked like, hey, look, they'll get him back by the postseason. They said him and Michael Porter Jr. I don't I – don't really Porter know. I never saw happening, but Murray looked promising. 
And so it's kind of unfortunate that, look, once again, Jokic in his MVP season, we're going to see them fizzle out in the first round. Um, it will be interesting to see how uh, I don't like I haven't looked at the numbers, but I don't know how have the Warriors defended Draymond or Jokic in the past. Um, has Draymond been effective guarding him? They don't. Really, I mean, they definitely go more so with Looney and Jokic just destroys Looney them. and Looney and Wiseman now is going to be back, so he'll be getting some minutes. So wait, really? I think so. Did I miss that? Wiseman is. Oh no no guy. no! His 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 injury was season ending, right? Yeah, never mind. I don't know why I thought he'd be back. Well, no, I mean he's another guy that was kind of like in the Ben Simmons, like he's coming soon type camp. I just don't know. Yeah, I actually I think they might have said he's he's out. But anyways, it's I don't know, man. Like, what, what do you expect? What do you expect Will Barton and Bones Highland and like yeah, these guys aren't. If you're telling me they're gonna beat Steph, Clay, and Dre when those guys were on the floor, I can't do it. So you're right, five or six. I'm actually going to go Warriors and six. Steph might be a little rusty. Um, yeah, I think limit six, his minutes. Yeah, I think six is the right bet. It should be mentioned that uh, Nikola Jokic has never lost in round one. Stop bringing these stupid round one stats, man. Like that, it's not that impressive. If they're most of the time, last well, year he wasn't a round one favorite, but yeah, last year they played literally against the Blazers with a fully loaded Blazers. They had no one on their team. They were starting Austin Rivers, and they they won a game that. Lillard went for 55 it. Yeah, but, but you uh, you use these first round stats like there's 15 seasons and he was underdog in half of them and they still He's won all of them. 3 and 0 and one of them was a very <laughs> And difficult. one of them was an upset, fine. <laughs> and you could argue the other one were was against the Utah Jazz in the bubble that was, they were underdogs I think in that one, weren't they? No, they weren't. I thought they were. Oh, but no, maybe none- they were. Maybe they were, yeah. Nonetheless, I think this may be where that comes to an, comes to an end, but I do think that uh, you know he's not going to go quietly, and he's going to be able to ratchet up his minutes. He's one of the rare bigs that I feel like doesn't get tired, and so he can keep going. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm bummed about this. I'm, I'm bummed about this, and I'm bummed about the next series with Luca and, and the Mavs and the Jazz, just because like the injury stuff makes this it clouds our ability to understand what's going to happen. Like the Mavs, I thought were gonna kind of be the final um, eulogy for this Jazz team, and now it looks like the Jazz are gonna get out of round one if Luca misses any time, which it seems like he's very possible gonna miss game one and game two. I still got the Mavs without Luca. No, I, I'm assuming he's only gonna miss one game. Okay, he misses one game. They lose. Then that I take one, him in maybe? seven. Damn, maybe. But I don't know. This injury, too, is a little worrisome. Like, it it still seems... Yeah. Remember the last calf strain we we allowed the player to come back too soon from? Who was it? Oh, Durant? Kevin Durant. He had a calf strain, too. He missed all the playoffs, comes back in the finals, and boom. The last thing we want is no Luka for next year. So, I'm just worried that, like... And I think they're worried because they don't... I mean... Look, I don't know anything about the severity of the injury. It's very possible his calf strain is totally different than Durant's, but that's the piece that keeps me up at night, which is, okay, are we able to see the forest of the trees? That this year, maybe it's a lost season, but we cannot under any circumstances have long-term impact to, to Luca. 
Yeah, and, and this is what I've always said is that even though you're higher on the Mavs potentially getting to the finals, this is not going to be the team that wins. So why yeah. if, if it was different, if you know this was a three seed and you guys have a really good shot at the title, you say, fuck it, let's get Luka back. Let's try to go for it. This is not the year I think they need to bet on that. So you're right. They could play it safe. If they're going to err on the side of caution instead of one game, yeah, let them sit out two. If you go down 2-0, you even evaluate how much you want them to play and come back, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, so I, and I the just NBA didn't so, do him any favors, by the way. Like it's literally the first the game, first on game. Saturday. Yeah. Like why the fuck couldn't they have moved him to Sunday evening? Like come on. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to do that just because Luca's injured. They probably had this in mind. They would do it for Brady, and they would do it for LeBron, and all these guys. They would not do it for Brady. Brady got some bad uh, draws last season of the postseason. The Eagles game was like Saturday, 10 a.m., right? Or something. No, it was Sunday. It was a Sunday 1 o'clock game, just like all the other rest of their season. Oh, yeah, actually was. They literally gave him as many advantages as they possibly could. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, because he needs them. Well, um, he should have been a Dolphin next season, but anyway. The funny thing is, this has implications because Dallas can punt on be like, look, we lost because Luka is injured. And that could have implications on what they do next season, right? Maybe they get a little complacent. I don't know. Utah could also talk themselves into a false sense of complacency with, you know what? Maybe we run it back. Let's, you know, Mitchell, Gobert, we beat the Mavs. Maybe they had a very competitive second round against Phoenix, right? But no one's expecting them to beat Phoenix. That's it could also key. influence them to to keep things one more year, right? Whereas if they lost to Dallas in round one, guaranteed they blow it up. So there's some interesting ramifications that could happen because of the series potentially flipping to Utah. So what you just mentioned is the exact key. If they have a competitive round two versus Phoenix. If they beat Dallas without Luka or with a hobbled Luka and then they just get boat raced by Phoenix, <laughs> like they'll know it's time yeah. to let this thing yeah, go. Yeah. Right? I agree. Like, um, to your point about Phoenix going out of the West, the more and more I think about it, it's Golden State or nobody. Yeah. Like, I can't see anybody challenging them. Even even Memphis, who, you know, beat a fully loaded Suns team with their backups a couple weeks ago. But, like, that's different. This is the playoffs. This is Chris Paul. Like, the West is like, the West is really. I bet you LeBron is really pissed right now because he looks at the West right now and he's just like, if we had just gotten our shit together and we were healthy and we were in the playing tournament at least, I bet you he could talk himself into making a run. Maybe, but the way New Orleans played last night, I don't even know if they could have beaten New Orleans. Oh no, like, they would have just... To be honest, Kawhi is probably thinking the same thing. With is a healthy Clippers team, may have won the title this year, right? Or at least that I think left. is the biggest what if, based on how well they played this year. A healthy Kawhi, they would have. It would have been them and the Suns, or you know, in the conference finals, most likely. And we're assuming we're not seeing him. He's not no. coming back, man. Stop with the Kawhi. He's not. I heard. He I don't was know why people keep smiling. acting like he's gonna come back. Because he's, I think, healthy. No, he's not coming back. He's not healthy. None of these guys are healthy. They all just sit on the sideline. They shoot a couple shots in the warm-ups to get you excited. No, yeah, none of them no. are coming back. LeBron, I mean, Zion was dunking on a padded court the other day. Did you see that? It was like a mini trampoline. People no, that, like, no, that was like three weeks ago. He oh, yeah, did a 360 weeks. dunk yesterday yeah, on yeah, the yeah, real yeah, court. Yeah, on the actual court. I, I will say, even those dunks, if you go back and look at his Duke highlights... 
it's jarring how different it is. I'm yeah. telling you. Like, his Duke highlights look like they're out of a movie. Dude, forget he, about Duke. <laughs> high school. The high school. <laughs> Versus fucking uh, Dale Henson or something. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but, uh, okay, so wait. You had Utah, sorry, Dallas in seven. I'm going Utah. No, I'm, I'm, well, I don't know. I'm going to say Utah in. I think that's an incomplete. We don't know. It's not fair to ask us to make a prediction when the one, like, factor that's the most kind of, like, impactful on that result is a TBD. Yeah. Like, no other series swings more with their star missing games, I think, in this postseason, right? Would you? Well, Durant. Yeah, but even Kyrie could will you to a game or two. Who the hell is carrying Dallas? Like Jalen Brunson's gonna go off? Like what? You... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, that's true. Or Jokic maybe. Jokic, <laughs> the maybe, Bones right? Highland, Demarcus Cousins, Aaron Gordon <laughs> playoff team is not exactly getting people fired up. That's actually that's that's a fair point. Yeah, and hence maybe why he's the de facto MVP. Um. um all right, finals picks. I'm going to be that boring guy, man. Suns, Bucks. Suns and six. I'm going to throw I'm gonna throw a wrench into this. Nets over Suns. Wow. Durant stakes his claim as a top five player of all time if he wins a title this year. If he wins a title and things play out the same way in terms of... His general dominance and all that. His general dominance, this team is obviously clearly undermanned, and he still wills them to the title against a Phoenix team. If they win the title, that means they went through Boston, the Mm -hmm. most dominant team outside of Phoenix this year. They went through Milwaukee, right? I don't see the Bulls pulling off an upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Defending champs. And then Miami or Philly, most likely, which either one of those teams... Is a that is story there either one seed or Embiid and Harden, and then you beat the Suns, who are literally just incredible. Like that, you're right. That adding that to your resume might vault him into top five all time. A lot of people have him top ten already, or they say he's top ten. It's unclear who they've knocked out of their top ten, whether that's Hakeem or I don't know what, depending on people's lists. To me, he's just outside of my top ten, so I would probably. Move him He's, into that like seven eight range, but yeah, if you for, ask me, Durant or Kobe, personally, who do I think is a better player? I think Durant's a better player. Yeah, but when you're comparing resumes, I don't think he's still like it depends on kind of how we're trying to do this. No, he, Durant is still. I have him around 12, 13, yeah. 12, 13. Kobe for me is only ten. So okay. I think if Durant wins this, he gets into the seven or eight. He's firmly ahead of Kobe. If he wins this title. Damn. You got a lot of angry listeners to answer to. What, man? I want to hear what Kobe's done. Like, let, let people come at me. I don't care. He's going to lose round one, and then we're going to have to come back. <laughs> Is he still top 25? <laughs> yeah, right? right. Exactly. If Steph wins four titles, two MVPs, most wins ever, best three-point shooter ever, he might that, vault Durant. He might get to 10. I'll put him over Kobe. People can't and won't. They cannot reconcile the kind of player he is versus who the rest of the top 10 or 15 are. They just, the off-ball dominance is not what we're accustomed to in that 
rarefied air. Yeah, but I mean, Magic got his due, and he was a game breaker in the way he played. Right, the position. He is not. He didn't. He's nothing like the top ten guys, except LeBron. Right, but LeBron came after. But LeBron but, scores like LeBron. I mean, Magic only averaged like nineteen twenty a game. LeBron is twenty seven a game. But, but, but my point is, like a guy you not who doesn't fit the mold of the other. Like Steph, you're saying the whole point you're making is that it's hard to reconcile him with those other guys in the top ten. My point is, we already had Magic Johnson kind of make that. But I think the issue that people are going to have is not being a playmaker, less of a score. It's just being on ball. Having the ball in your hands at all times. Here's, here's I, I one for you. Here's one for you. Giannis wins the title. Finals MVP. He's not top 10. He's top 15, maybe. Maybe, yeah. I mean, You've got... how, is, how is he behind Barkley or Malone or... Dirk. No, no, he's top fifteen. He'll he'll be top fifteen. You've got you're talking two titles, two finals, two finals MVPs, two MVPs, two defensive player of the years. Just three. one, just one, no, just one. Maybe he wins this year, but yeah, he just has one right yeah, now. He'll get top fifteen, but it's not. I mean, he's twenty seven. Yeah, I mean, the trajectory means he could be a lot higher. But you're telling me his resume after winning a title now? Yes. Yeah. Chris Paul. If he, he wins the title, suddenly he might be top twenty for me. He'll be he'll be in the lower I might fifteen. Put him above, I might put him above Isaiah. Possibly, Isaiah won two, and he got two finals. He got one finals MVP, right? I, I forget if he got two. Or one. It'll 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 matter to me. It, it, this shouldn't matter, but it'll matter to me how Paul plays this postseason and in the. No, playoffs. I think that's fair. The thing is, if the Suns win the title, I almost guarantee Devin Booker will be, just because he'll have the. Um, He'll have the better stats. Okay. Yeah. Isaiah has one finals MVP. I think the Dumars might have won the other one. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, let me see. Actually, no, I'm curious. Okay. So, yeah, Joe Dumars. Damn, he averaged 27 a game in the finals um, <laughs> in 1988-89. Those are probably the biggest legacy questions. James Harden's another one, but I just don't know that I can see the Sixers winning a title and if they do it's going to be on the strength of Embiid but but I yeah but I think that's a great question Harden just getting a title on his resume he's not leaping in the top 15 or anything but it dramatically changes yeah maybe he's top 40 right now he goes to top 30 top 25 yeah so he's a lot to gain I agree I don't see it being that likely but he has a lot to gain from potentially winning a title yeah yeah I mean I think I think those are probably the biggest legacy questions in the balance, which is fun, right? Because every year we get this where it's like, okay, who's who's going to be the one to elevate their career trajectory? Um, Absolutely matters. Like Giannis winning last year completely changed his trajectory. Because if he had lost again last year, um, like what's the narrative around him, right? Yeah. Just continue and to lose in the playoffs. If yeah, Durant's toe is behind the line, like, we're yeah. having a very, it very serious conversation to, right now about potentially blowing up the Bucks. Yeah, they they lost, and then you know they were down two zero in the finals against Phoenix, right? And and Phoenix was seen as more of the underdog last year, right? Mm-hmm. So it would have been a disappointing result if they had lost more so than this year if they lose to Phoenix, for example. So instead, we got the fifty ball from Giannis. We got that block. 
we got yeah, that. Yeah, he completely but, changed. And then it, it turned me. He won me. Remember? Just a couple yeah, of years ago, I was hitter. like, I was a hater. All right. Well, I can't wait. We'll be back next week with uh, with kind of analysis from the first couple of games. We didn't even talk about our over-unders, by the way, because we can't. Oh, Kush well, annihilated us. Kush killed us. I did the worst. I was like one of nine on my locks. <laughs> Including the Pacers under just uh, over, which is one of the worst calls of all time. Cush went twenty one and nine, which for over unders is bananas. It's, like it's, that's firmly. It's not even like you know a win or two above. Yeah, five hundred. I went fourteen and sixteen. Impostor. You went thirteen and seventeen. So we should not be doing this podcast. I think is the no the story. But all right, that's it for us this week. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Thick and Thin Hoops. Please follow us on social media. Enjoy the start of round one of the NBA playoffs, and we will talk to you next week. Peace.